Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Isaiah chapter 40, from verse 25 to 31. Here is what it says. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Not one. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. How many people are glad that God is never tired? <laughs> I, I, I imagine if God just went on break, like bow. Say, is he on vacation? Call on him. You know, he's never on break. His understanding, it says, is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. That's not natural. When you run, you're supposed to be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Glory to God. So we've been in a year-end series, even though I didn't call it that, but I'm I'm teaching you a series of messages here that prepare us for 2024 and what the plan of God is. So today we want to talk about waiting on God, waiting on God. See, when when we read this passage of Scripture, it's a very popular passage, and, and people think that they understand it or they know exactly what he's talking about, but I want you to really pay attention this morning, okay? Um, And where I want to begin is is why did the scripture use the ego here as the reference for this? He could have used any other thing. There's so many other examples uh, that he could have used as the reference for waiting on God and mounting up with wings. Uh, It's because the story of the ego is very, very peculiar. The ego is very different from any other bird. And the way that it lives its life and that it extends its life, more importantly, is also very, very, very important. At some stage in the life of the ego... When other birds are dying and it's, it's, it's called old and it's supposed to die, it goes through a painful restoration process that takes about five months. So what the eagle does is that it will climb up to the, to the height of the mountain and it will begin this process. It will start by, by taking out its beak, hitting it against the wall until it falls off, and it will wait there until another one grows out. It will go ahead with his claws and do the same thing, rip it all out, and wait until another one grows. I'm saying grow, naturally grow out. You know how long that would take? It would do that. And then it will now use those claws to start to hit at its old feathers and pluck every single one out. Every single one. When the eagle is doing this, nobody sees it. It's not doing any dramatic flight. It's not doing anything. It's just right there at the very height of the mountain going through this process. And it rips out all of those feathers and it waits there until those feathers grow back. When that entire process is complete, it is said that the eagle can now take this famous flight that everybody knows, which is that it is not doing the flying, it is gliding on the wind as it's going. And it can live for another 30 years after that process is complete. So now you see the picture, which is that the eagle now regains vigor it renews its strength, it lives longer, and it can soar higher. So if I had time, I would have explained to you why the beak is important, which is the first thing, that, because that is how it gets its food, which is why fasting is a process that entails waiting on God. I would have told you about the claws, which is what he uses to touch things and to pick up things, which is that when it's in that process, it doesn't have the capacity to pick up anything that is evil. And then you talk about the feathers, and which is about where it goes and the things that it involves itself in. When it's in that process, it is incapacitated. So when you say you are waiting on God, it is a big deal. So waiting on God is not just, I'm fasting. 
It's an entire process that is supposed to produce a specific result. It's supposed to renew your strength, make you live longer, and make you soar higher. It's supposed to renew your strength, make you live longer, and soar higher. Now, when I say live longer, I'm talking both spiritually and physically now. Both. And you will see it. I would explain everything to you this morning. That when you say you are waiting on God, you are really saying something very serious. And God wants you to renew your strength so that you can take flight in the new year that is coming. So that when the new year shows up and you, you spend the, the first month uh, in this process of waiting on God, when you, when you come out of that process, you are literally gliding and the wind is carrying you in the direction that, you know, see, there are different modes of transportation. And I'm going to teach you a lot of these things as we go along. There are different modes. I can, if I'm going, if I'm going to, 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 I mean, there are people who, you know, they say that the, the rich spend money to save time, but the poor use time to save money. So some people, when they want to search for flight, they search for the cheapest. Some of us, when we want to search for flight, is the fastest. So I want a flight that will take me from Vancouver, from, uh, from Halifax to Vancouver, you know, if it's possible, in one direct flight. Worst case scenario, drop me in Toronto and put me there. Don't take me to Montreal, then take me to PEI, then bring me to Nova Scotia, and then go to Toronto. I don't want that. I don't want that, no matter how cheap it is. You know? So because the way that you fly determines how you get to where you're going. You, might, you can get there, and we are, we're on the same flight, but when we get there, you are exhausted. You are about to die, but my strength has been renewed. You know, and there's something about airplanes, and I, again, I'll teach this in the future, but let me just share this with you, that there are some places it's said in the U.S., for instance, that you want to travel, your mode of transportation is very important, because sometimes you can be struggling in your own efforts, or you can allow the wind of the Spirit to carry you. So there are places, for instance, I can't remember the specific places now, that when you are going from one point to the other, it takes about five hours to get there. But when you are coming back, it will literally take you one hour less, the same journey. And it's explained this way that there is something called a tailwind, which is that when you are going from point A to point B, you are against the wind, and the forces, you are struggling to penetrate through the wind and go in that direction. But when you are coming the other way, the aircraft is being propelled, not just by the engine, but by something called a tailwind, which pushes it faster and allows it to go further. Glory to God. Don't worry, we'll get into all that. But let's go back to verse 31 here, and let's begin to see what it says here. It says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So when we, when we complete the process of waiting on God, here are the things that we are supposed to see. Your strength is supposed to be renewed, not diminished. You are supposed to be able to mount up, not with effort, but with wings. Those are two different things. So you are mounting up now, not with the human effort like all the other birds that struggle and flap and flap, but with wings, just the exact way that the eagle does. You are supposed to run and not be weary. So you are not waiting on God so that at the end of the process, you sit down in one corner doing nothing. You are still running, but the difference is that you are not tired. And I use myself as an example all the time. I mean, if I, didn't, I tell you because you are my, you're my people, you should know. If I didn't tell you this morning that I haven't slept, you, do, you cannot know that I have not slept because it's not in my ability that I'm, I didn't send myself on this assignment. You understand that? So when you get on the end of the waiting on God, you are not supposed to come and be looking like, look at me, I'm, I'm, I came with swag. With, I'm fresh boy. I don't, like, there's no need to look like you are suffering. Because you are working for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you are done with your fast, nobody should look at you and say, ah, what happened to you? Ah. No, it's, it's a refreshing. And that's the mindset that we are going into this way. So they shall walk and not faint. But this is not the norm. When people walk, they faint. But we are saying when you come out of it, this is what will happen. So why does this happen? So there are three things you need to note about this renewal process, which is referred to as waiting on the Lord. The first thing is this. You will not like this, but this is just the truth of the matter. Number one, it's, it's a painful process. Painful process. It's not, it's not, this process is not, uh, you know, uh, uh, chill and just relax and just, you know, I'm, I'm fasting means that I'm, I'm just on vacation, not doing anything, just lounging around. No. It's a painful process. Painful in the sense that it's painful to your flesh. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says that now no chastening seems to be joyous for the present. But painful. 
Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to everybody who took part. It's, it's only those who have been trained by it, which means that those who allow themselves to go through that entire process are the ones that will come out at the other end with a peaceable fruit of righteousness because the, the, that process is never pleasant to the flesh. Look, I have been through this process multiple times, multiple times. I've told you examples. Before we started this church, I went through this process of fasting. It wasn't that I wasn't on a beach somewhere in Cancun sipping Chapman on the beach when God told me to go and start a church. No, it was in the middle of a, a lengthy fast. So I've been through all, it's never easy, never, so I'm not saying to you that you're going to go into a fast and you're just going to be, you know, everything, no, 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 we pray for grace that makes things easy, but your flesh will feel it. Yes, your flesh will, your flesh has to feel it. And this is the process of bringing your flesh under, which Paul said that he tells his body what to do, not the other way around, so that your body is not controlling you or, or dictating to you what, you what you need to do and not do. And I want to explain to you today what are the things that you can expect and how do we go through this process of waiting on God? So it's not a theoretical thing. It's something that is practical, but there are steps that we have to take. Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. Romans 8, 13. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. So by the help of the Holy Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body. So it is by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, but you choose to do this thing, which is that everything that represents the flesh in me, everything that represents, you know, human nature and just, you know, enjoying life, I put it aside because I want to be controlled by the Spirit. That's what it means when you say you are waiting on God. Are you with me? So you are putting away things of the flesh, including worldly pleasures, all of the worldly pursuits. I've told you, when you are fasting, it's not when you do Netflix and, and whatever. You, 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 you get rid of all that. You get rid of it. It's called a total immersion. You submerge yourself into the Word of God. All of the things that are distractions to you, anything that, that is not, you know, doesn't have, uh, uh, we, we, we joke about it, my wife and I, we call it anything that doesn't have eternal value. If it does not have eternal value, you are not going to catch me with it. I don't, I'm not interested. In a fast, you have to submit yourself to that process, just like the ego does. And you wait there until that process is complete. Because fasting is only effective when we replace fleshly activities with spiritual activities. Please write that down. Fasting is only effective when we replace fleshly activities with spiritual activities. In a fast, is not when you are going to play soccer. In the, you know, in the fast, it's not when you are going to, you know, you get all those kind of things that, that unnecessarily consume your physical energy. You preserve your energy because you don't even have a lot of it to begin with, right? So you put away all of those things. Anything that your flesh enjoys a lot to do, fasting is the best time to set it aside and replace that with a spiritual activity that you normally don't do. That you will not on a normal day just randomly sit down and read your Bible for as long as, you know, the, the Bible is there to be read. You, this period of fasting is, is when you do that. And, I, and I'll say that as we get to the end of it to show you why this is so important because the Word of God is where the life is going to come out of. In this whole thing that we're talking about, that's where it's going to come out from. It's not, it's not let, me stay with, let me stay with my plan, okay? So what are the activities that we, we, we replace with? We, we, we replace activities like I do chatter, gossiping, you know, all of these things that just feed your flesh. You know, just, you're just randomly, I do. If you are going to walk your dog, you must be praying in tongues as you are going. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it is to be, to be doing, replacing things. So normally when you're walking your dog is when you, you look at all the neighbors and look who is dating, who, who has broken up with you. But when you are fasting, you eliminate all those things. Yeah, you remove all those things and you focus on spiritual activity. If you need to block your ear with headphones, be listening to a message or you are listening to a podcast, you have music going all the time, that is worship music, that is what waiting on God is. So it's not just, uh, I'm just fasting. I'm just, no, that's not what it is. From the moment that you wake up, everything that you are doing is focused on the person of Jesus. That's what it means to wait on God. All right? So you replace it with prayer, with Bible reading, with fellowshipping with God and with his people. So that's why we are meeting. We're going to be meeting in person so that we pray, we re-energize ourselves. There is energy that comes from all of us being together. Then you go back to your own space and you continue to practice all of that. Glory to God. So it's a painful process. It's not going to be easy. 
is on your flesh, it will not be easy. But here is the thing that I found with fasting when it's long, is that as you get into the process, the first few days are going to be tough. But as you get into the process, it becomes your, your body understands after a few days that this is what we are doing. That it looks like this is the plan. <laughs> so it adjusts. Yeah, it adjusts to it. If you, in the middle, start to eat unnecessarily, you'll see you'll be going to the toilet in a, in a weird way. Yeah, because your body, your body understands when you start to do something, it adjusts to it. And I'll show you why that is beneficial to you, even to your body. Even to your body, beyond the spiritual benefits of it. So number two is this. We have said it's a painful process. Number two, it is a long process. The process of waiting on God takes time. For the ego, it takes five months. That is almost half of the year gone. Just sitting down. It's not doing anything. Do you understand this? Like, it's not going to look for food. It's not going to, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting down in one place and waiting for something to grow. It's like you, you're sitting down at home. You're not going to parties they're inviting you to. You're not doing anything. You're not even eating, which is what you used to do to make yourself happy before. You can't eat now. So you sit down and you're just waiting for your faith to grow. That's what it is. It's a long process. So, so that's why I believe that this is not uh, uh, a 21-day thing or a 7-day thing, which me, I would have preferred. Huh? But he said 40 days, and he said it for a reason, because it's not a short process. Glory to God. This process, we shed off flesh and weight, just the same way that the eagle sheds off its beak and its feathers, and we wait for the, the spiritual ones to grow now. We have not waited through the process if we don't grow new spiritual feathers. So how will you know that you have completed the process? Is that the eagle comes out not before the feathers grow fully or the claws grow fully. Not because I'm tired now. Ah, it's been 20 days. Ah, ah, ah. God, you understand now. Then you try to mount up with wings and you see that you collapse. Aha. So you wait until the process is complete. And how you know is that when you step out, the, the energy is there. Nobody is telling you. He says, you will not tell them, know the Lord, know the Lord. Each one of them will know God in their heart. He will not be begging you to come to church. You will see that something will shift on the inside of you. You will be the one telling us that, Pastor, can't we be doing evangelism on Saturday? You will come up with the suggestion. That, Pastor, can't we, two by two, let's go out and go and be talking to people. Because something has happened to you. That's when you will know that you have completed the process. Yeah, so it's not, this is not a, uh, 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 just, let's just fast for 40 days, uh, the so that they know that we are a fasting church. I don't care about what anybody thinks. Do you understand? I'm, I'm focused on what God has sent me to do. I, I'm not, look, if it's about what anybody thinks, I don't have time to tell you that story. Let's just, let's keep going because my time is very precious today, okay? So, we've said for the ego, it takes five months. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1, look at what it says here. It says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. It's not after a few days. It's after many days. You are feeding your spirit constantly. Jesus himself had to go through this process. He was not in a hurry to get going. He, wasn't, he knew from, from before age 12. The 12 was just when, when they, they told us that story. He knew from when he was born that I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. He knew all of those things. But he had to go through that entire process. Put himself into that process. Look at what he says in Mark chapter 1. Verse 12 to 13. Mark 1, 12 to 13, telling us about this. It says, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So it's not the devil pushing you to, to do fasting. If God tells you to fast for 40 days, best, best believe it's not the devil. The devil does not tell people to fast for 40 days. Uh -huh. He can tell you to fast for, for 40 days without food and water because he wants to kill you. Because that one is foolishness. But the normal fast, is not, God is the one that told you. Believe me, he's the one. Because the, the benefits that are in it are more injurious to the devil, <laughs> and he will not tell you to do that. So he was led by the Spirit, by the Spirit, into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So he was not in the wilderness lounging on this couch with his feet up, <laughs> you know, watching TV. You get what I'm talking about? He says he was tempted by Satan. With wild beasts there. So he must have done some Daniel operation in that place to keep himself safe. Don't you think so? He said there were wild beasts there. So there must have been some Daniel operation that we did not have the privilege of, of, of knowing about that he had to do just to keep himself safe. So not everything will be, will be all smooth during the fast. That's what I'm telling you. Not everything will be all smooth. There will be wild beasts that will show up. Show up to you as you are, you are in your office, you are doing, as you are doing and you are trying to keep the fast. Your supervisor will be telling you that why? You're, you, are, you are getting tired every day. What's wrong with you? 
Why are you doing that? Then you know that you need to now step up. And not, because it says that when we are fasting, it's not for us to display on our face that something is wrong with us. That's not the idea of fasting. The idea of fasting is not that, as you show up now, you say, ah, you just come like this. So that everybody can be asking you that, what's wrong with you? Say, ah, we're fasting in my church. We're fasting. My pastor wants to kill us. We're fasting. <laughs> that, that's not the plan, okay? So he was led there by the Spirit. He was tempted. Angels ministered to him. I love that part. So you can expect that. Look, literally, you can expect angelic ministrations during this fast. I'm saying literally, you can expect it because it's in the Word. So when you are in the process of waiting on God, so some of the things that are going to grow out of you, it's not you that is producing it. It's this demonstration of angels that are bringing things into your life. Some of those deposits are already there, but they will be coming to the fore because now your flesh doesn't have any part to play in this. If there is anything in your life that you have ever been confused about, you want to choose life partner, or you want to know where, which college to go, you want to know, insert it into this fast. Look, the answer you get at the end of it, I promise you, you heard from God. Because half of the time, the issue is your flesh is the problem. When you say, I can't hear from God, I can't hear from God, I'm telling you, McDonald's is the problem. That's the problem. Some of you that don't eat our food here, it's pounded yam. That is your own problem. With edika ekong soup. That's your problem. If you just eliminate that, you will see, and I'll show you the natural benefits of it is that your body spends a lot of energy processing those things. A lot of, especially this African food that we eat. Ah, uh, that's why my wife, thank God for the wife that I married. As I told her, I said, look, they say out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's not a physical belly. I don't need this physical belly. So I eliminated anything after, what's it, 10 that we said, 10 o'clock. I'm not eating anything that is made of starch. I, I don't want it in my system because it takes a lot of energy for your body to process all those things. And it's, it's the work that your body is supposed to be using to do other things is processing the pounded yam that you ate. So I did HelloFresh. Some of the food that HelloFresh brings, I don't understand it, but I eat it. I see leaves, I see pepper, I see, I will just close my eyes and eat it because this one will digest faster. Glory to God. I'm teaching you wisdom. It's just code I'm putting in there. So you can't be in a hurry to get into the year until your strength is renewed. Look, the year 2024 is not the year you want to approach without strength. I'm telling you, you need, you literally need strength. The way that a, a car needs fuel, to move. In 2024, you are going to need strength. That's why God is taking us through this process. So also beyond that year, when the ego renews its strength, I've told you, it's not for the next year. It's for the next 30 years. It's for the next 30 years. Some of you will come out of this experience that the purpose for your life for the first time will become clear to you. Clear as day. You will see it like this. You, look, I can doubt anything in my life. There are a few things that I don't doubt because they came out of a process. When I, I decided that this is the woman I was going to marry, huh? it came out of a process. It wasn't that I saw a fine girl across the street. When I met her, she was not like this. She was a pretty lady you're looking at. She wasn't like this. She was, you know, as we call them SU, where we come from. SU, which is the deeper Christian life people. Which is, they are deeper than the deep. They are deeper. Their own is, she will carry her bag like this, put her across her chest like this. Like, the first time I tried to hug her, we're dating her. I tried to hug her. I said, ah, there will be a problem. Don't hug me. That's her. So it wasn't like there was a physical, you know, physical, no, no, no. It, it had to come from a place. It was later on, many years, when she started appearing, I said, ah, this baby, I find no, what's going on here? But it didn't come from the place of the flesh. That's what I'm telling you. So processes like that, when, when I was going to, I told you about the, the campus fellowship, when I was going to choose a new president. So, so when they were able to say, ah, ah, this one should be the president, I said, you don't know anything. Me, I, this one did not come out of my, my flesh. It came from a, from a process. Yeah, it came from a place. When God was sending us to Halifax, I, I was moving my entire family out of something that I love, that I was enjoying. It's not like, like you know, you know, it's a different thing when you're in a church and the pastor is annoying you. And, and you now say, God told me, God told me. God, because pastor is talking to you anyhow. So God told me that we should move. This one, I was living my best life. You know what they call you are living your best life? I was enjoying my life. I, I felt like this was what God created me to do. Then God said, move. I said, God, how fun. Now, why, why are you like this? I've heard about you with the hearing of my ear. But I don't know. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? But because of the process that it came out of, I could not doubt it. So sometimes when things get challenging, and I think about everything, I was, I was talking to my, my wife the other day about this thing, that sometimes thing, this thing gets very challenging. But the one thing I know is that I heard from God. I know that one like the back of the palm of my hand, that I heard from God. That one is clear. That whatever happens after that, we have to solve. So the one constant is there, then you fix all that variables. 
But that constant must be in your life that you are hearing from God. That's the way a believer operates. A believer doesn't operate by guesswork. You look at the map, say, where's the taxis cheapest in Canada? Where? Our better. Let's go. Let's go to our better because taxes are cheaper. Let me tell you, you go to a place where taxes are cheaper, you can't afford it because that's not where God sent you. Let me preach to myself. Point number three. This process is, is not just painful. It's not just long. It is a rewarding process. It's a rewarding process. So when the ego has completed this process, it now lives for 30 more years. Despite having lived for 30 or 40 years before this period, so it's almost like a doubling of its life, a renewal of life, basically, is what it is. So you come out of there and all of your spiritual journey until that period is almost like a preparation that you are now just starting your, your life. You are just starting your work with God. That's exactly how it will, be, it will be like for you. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. It says, therefore, we do not lose hearts. If I were you, I will, I will type this, therefore, we do not lose hearts. I will type it. I will print it out, I'll cut it, then I'll put it on my fridge. So that in the midnight, when the devil is ministering to you to go into the fridge, you see that line there that says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, because that will happen, you will feel weak, you will feel like God. Who's, who sent me to come to Believer's House? There are other churches that don't fast. Why am I here? Yet, he says, the inward man is being renewed day by day. This is the key to it, day by day, day by day. Don't approach this as a 40-day journey. Approach it as a day by day, day by day, every single day. I want to get the next day done. I want to get the next day done. As you do that, you will find out that you will get to a point where it just becomes an enjoyable process. Some of you, after the 40 days, there was a fast that we did in a particular year that when we're done with the fast, I just told myself, I cannot go back from this mountain the way, I, I don't want to live among these normal people the way that they are living. I'm going to continue. And I fasted the entire year because I didn't want to come down from the mountain. So I did it in different ways, different ways, but every year, it's called a fasted life, which is that you wake up every morning, your first approach is not food. You are eating for strength, not for satisfaction or enjoyment. Yeah. So you only approach food when it looks as if you are seeing men as trees and you cannot drive on a straight line and you're going to end up in the ditch. Then you go and approach food. Glory to God. So this is, this is very important. It's a rewarding process. It's rewarding not just for your spirit, but also for your body. Verse 17, for our light affliction, it says, which is but for a moment. So it might look like an affliction, but it's actually for a moment. It says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory to God. So the eagle's plucking its beak and feathers. is like God pruning you. So it's pruning your tongue, first of all, as your beak is falling out. All of the curse words that you say, when you are in church, you don't say it, but you know where you say it. All those F words, all those words, it first removes it, or it purifies your tongue, right? When you don't have food inside your stomach, your beak is out. You can't eat the way you want to eat. You, you conserve your energy. Where they are gossiping, you stay away because you don't even have energy to participate in the gossip. So you stay away from it, okay? So it's purifying your tongue. First of all, it's doing that process. Your claws, the things that you, you touch with your hand, is, you will not touch any unclean thing. It's a covenant that you make with God that this is the process I want to purify my, my hands to make sure that I'm not reaching out for anything that I cannot stand before the people of God and say that this is what I've done. Do you understand what we are saying? Very important. And then your feathers represent where you are going. So this season is not a season where you are just going anyhow, doing anywhere, everywhere, everywhere they invite you, you are going. No, is you are preserving your feathers to take flight. And that flight is the wind of the Spirit is taking you where the Spirit of God wants you to go. Glory to God. When he said the wind blows where it listed, I'll teach that someday. It was talking about how the, the spiritual man operates. That the spiritual man is not a man that wakes up in the morning and decides, today I'm going to Joseph's house. No, the spiritual man wakes up and says, where is the wind of the spirit going today? And he just stays in the wind and the wind carries him where the, where the spirit wants him to be. Glory to God. This is how we operate. This is how we operate. So when it seems like you are physically weak because you are waiting on God, I promise you, you are actually in your best moment. Your strength is at its highest point when it feels like your, your physical flesh is weak. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
So, you know about the spiritual benefits of fasting, but I want to, I want to just share a few with you, the physical benefits of it. You know, 1 Timothy 4, it talks about bodily exercise, profits little. But because it says profit little, you just say, ah, exercise is not good. No. It says profit little. Profit. Little is better than nothing. So don't just sit down, no exercise, nothing, you're not doing, you know, he says it profits little. So the, the process of fasting is similar to how you build muscles. So because it, it says, this is how they put it, that fasting puts the body under what is called mild stress, which makes your cells adapt by enhancing their ability to cope so they become stronger. So it's like the way you put your muscles under stress. When you are lifting weight, you are putting your muscles under stress. The muscles respond by trying to adjust to that process. In that process, they become stronger. That's exactly what happens to your cells. So when, when the cells realize that we're not getting as much food as we normally get, they begin to adjust as a coping mechanism. In that process, they are getting stronger. So, so some diseases that you will find that normally before you went into a fast, were just, it comes, it just hits you. After the fast, you realize that you are, you are stronger. Okay. You don't, you don't understand that. You do, right? Okay. I'm not a doctor, but I researched this. I researched. Uh-huh. It's not just, I'm not just talking from my head. So it, 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 it says that there are mental and physical benefits of fasting. Number one is lowering of your heart rate and your blood pressure. This is proven science. So I'm not, uh-huh. Because your body conserves energy during fasting. Your, your, your metabolic rate, which is the amount of energy your body burns while resting, becomes more efficient. It's like your energy efficiency light bulb. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So it becomes more efficient, thereby lowering your heart rate and your blood pressure. So when they say fast, it's not, look, you may not understand the deepest theological uh, uh, meaning to it. You will enjoy those ones. But I'm saying to you that that gym membership that you have been paying for, five years now you have paid for it, you have, you have been adding weight. I'm saying if you go through this process, huh, it will drop off you like, like you, didn't even, you didn't even try. I'm telling you. Yeah. So apart from the, the spiritual side is, is, is real, is the focus of the fast. But I'm saying to you that the unintended consequence is that after 40 days we'll see you and say, ah, you look, you look, yeah, yeah. So you want to go on this journey. What else does it do? It fast, it cleanses your body of toxins. There are so many things that are lodged in your body that you don't know about. When the body does not have enough food to, to go after and be processing, it processes other things that are, that are not supposed to be there. Boost your cognitive performance. You are sharper. Even as a student, you are sharper when you are not bogged down by, by food. <laughs> and your, your whole process is not, you know, you know. I wish I had time to tell you some of my student days of banana. Let me leave that. I'm looking at my time. I need my time today. I want to talk about Elijah. I need the time. So it protects you from obesity and any associated chronic diseases. Reduces inflammation. Helps achieve weight loss and improves fitness. Of course, you know that, right? You are not happy about the benefits. Should I move on? It decreases the risk of metabolic diseases. Or you want to hear only the spiritual benefits? Because you are a deep church. I know you, believers. You are very deep. Say, Pastor, what's all this physical? Give us the spiritual manner. We want the rema. So if you go through the process correctly, let me give you the rema now. It will give life to your spirit, and it will also give life to your mortal body. So I'm not, just, I'm not talking about the physical benefits now. I'm saying that the life of God will literally come into your mortal body, which is how you see that you can, you can operate. Like, like when we talk about the anointing, the first thing that people think about is, you know, you know revive. For our own example, I come to church, I'm laying out on people, people are falling under the anointing. That is a, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. That's, that's just a, um, a byproduct of the anointing. That is not what the anointing, the anointing is, is what that which destroys yokes and lifts burdens. It can do it in any sphere of life. So it's not just for pulpit ministry. I'm saying in your chemical engineering, as you are about to pour the wrong chemical and blow up the whole place, the anointing on the inside of you is what tells you that it says, I have an unction from the Holy One. I know all things. So that's the operation of the anointing. It is heightened. I'm saying that when the Spirit of God comes into your mortal body, that operation is at at its highest level. Fasting is an ingredient that accelerates that process. Romans chapter 8. Ah, sorry, your chemical is here. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I, actually, I, I was not thinking about you. So don't, don't. You see what I say. Sometimes I preach and I'm just preaching. So when you hear me say something that affects you, better be watchful of your chemicals now. Don't go and blow up the whole place. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 11. 
For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So in the process of waiting on God, you are not setting your mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The goal of the fast is to please God. It's not to prove that you can go without food. But if you want to do it in the flesh, you will not be able to please God. But you are not in the flesh. Do you see that? But in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Then he says, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So he keeps referencing this dwells, dwells, dwells. He's not saying that everybody who received the Holy Spirit when they got saved are going to operate like this. He's saying if you allow the Spirit to dwell, don't miss that. If you allow the Spirit to do what? To dwell in you. So you, are, you have eliminated the things of the flesh and you have allowed the Spirit to dwell in you. Dwell. Dwell means you make room for Him. You have to go into your, your, your space now and literally create what is called white space. So you get rid of things. You might say, I don't have time. I don't have time. Like we're talking to one, one lady that came for a Super Sunday. As she was saying, oh, I don't come to church because, you know, I have to work. I have to do this. To. As she was saying it, she corrected herself. That, no, it's not because of anything. It's just if I make up my mind to do it, I'll do it. But that is the truth. That if, if anything is important to you, you will create space for it. You will. You will. You will take out other things that are not as important, put them aside, and make this your priority. So it is those who allow the Spirit of God to dwell in them, to dwell in them, by the kind of music they are listening to, the kind of things that they are watching on TV, the kind of conversations they are engaged in, what they are putting into their body. All of those things are, are vitally important to allow the Spirit of God to dwell on the inside of you. Those are the people who will come out and realize that the Spirit of God has given life, literally giving Zoe, the, the God kind of life, to their mortal bodies. And by so doing, they are living longer than, than the original plan was. I'm saying physically living longer because that's what the ego represents. It's a process that renews not just your spiritual energy, which is that it can, it can glide. All of his physical attributes are also being repaired. New feathers, new claws, new... new look, when that, the ego takes that, that flight is when they take all those nice pictures that you see. It's called the famous flight of the ego. It's after that renewal process. They don't do it before then. Because now everything is fresh. Look, when the ego is growing up, those things are just growing. But these ones, it, it waits until the process is complete at once. So it's not that it's, it's growing into maturity. No, no, no. It's there until everything comes at once, fully mature. And it takes flight. It's a different experience. So I'm saying to you that after this experience, this is how you will operate. So don't just read and say, they, they, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk in nothing. You have to understand what you are saying. Glory to God. So both physical and spiritually fit. You will come out there and you will be fit. Because we have said it. Not be, be, God loves you, but just because he loves you does not mean he can use you. He only uses people that are fit. Fit vessels. Yeah, so you, you have clothes that, I mean, today now, as I was, I was, I was looking at my wardrobe, I was looking, there are clothes that I like that were, 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 they were just there, but they are dirty. They are in the laundry basket. Because I like it does not mean I'm going to wear it to church to come and preach. I, my only option is to look at the ones that are fit. Fit means they are clean. They are ready. They are presentable. And I looked and I said, today we're going to beat Luton Town, so let me just represent Manchester City. So I picked my, my jersey and I came. Glory to God. Our enemies were defeated yesterday too. So, anyway, moving on. All right. So, however, the very best result of waiting on God happens when we are able to surrender our will. This one is vital. So, as you are going through all of that process, the goal of the whole thing is that you get to the point where you say, not my will, but yours be done. Where an exchange takes place, you surrender your own will for the will of the Father. That's when you know that you have been renewed. There's no more trace of your old self. You have gotten rid of all those old feathers that argue with God and argue with the plan of God. When they say there's a word for the year, they say, all these pastors, they just come up with things. Ah, word for the year. Ah, 
I don't believe it. I don't believe it. All that flesh, all that self, everything is eliminated. You come out of it, and I'm telling you, you are the one that will be coming up with ideas for the church. You will be telling, you will come and be meeting and say, Pastor, can't we do this? Can't we do this? That's, that's how I know people that have been through a process. They come out, they are rejuvenated, they are excited. They say there's church, they are the first to show up at the door. Yeah, because they have gone through that process. So that's when we truly get to the, the, what Daniel 11.32 says, that those, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Because now they have gotten into a process with God. There's no trace of flesh. They can now reach new heights in God. Glory to God. All right, I'm going to take the last five minutes I have to explain the difference between waiting on God and waiting for God. Many believers get this thing mixed up, okay? When we talk about waiting on God, people think that what we are saying is that I'm just waiting for God to show up. I'm waiting for God to do what he will do, and I'm just there. Think about this. You are in a restaurant, yeah? and there is somebody called a waiter. What does the waiter do? Just think about it. They call somebody a waiter. The reason why they call them a waiter is as you come there, they will first give you water to, to keep you occupied, okay? They'll do all that, but they are there. The reason why they said they are waiting on you is because they are waiting for you to tell them what you want. They are waiting for your instruction. Have you ever got to a restaurant and you, the waiter just showed up and said, you know, this is what we are serving today, steak, eat steak. You know, requiring, uh, always makes, makes this joke that the way we preach in church sometimes sounds like this. Somebody goes to a restaurant, he, he wants to go there to eat maybe, maybe Chinese food. Then you come and say, today is the day of steak. Eat steak today or there will be no steak tomorrow. Now we preach salvation. Today is the day of steak. You must eat steak today or there will be no steak tomorrow. That's how unbelievers think when you are preaching like that. I say, today is the day of salvation. Salvation is coming. They don't understand the word you are even using. They don't get it. So, so they now come with, with steak that you didn't order. You will tell the waiter that... Maybe you got the wrong table. Because what it means to wait on someone is that you are waiting for the person's instruction before you do anything. That's what it means to wait on God. So wait on God is not that I'm just proving that I can eat and I can, I can go without fasting. No. At the end of the, of the process, I want to see you coming with an order that God gave you and you went to go and bring for him. So it's not that you're showing up with your own order and saying, God, today is the day of steak. You must eat steak. <laughs> God said, I don't want steak. I didn't order steak. What I want you to do is prison ministry. Leave children alone. Prison is where I sent you. I've told you this before. And I'm telling you, some of you in this process, you will, you will, you will see God. You will. He will wake you up at night and tell you to, like you told me in, in, in Vancouver, go open your Bible, and he will give you instruction that would, that would destroy the, the direction of your life. <laughs> like he did to me. Yeah. Yeah, you will see that you'll be like, this one, I can't even doubt it. That this one is too clear. Clear as mud. So that's what I'm talking about. So, but the process of it is that you are waiting on him to give you that instruction. So you are not telling him what to do. You are waiting on him. And when he gives you that instruction, then you go and try to figure it out. So when we say we are believing God, this is what we are saying. We are not saying that you choose what you want and just go and tell God that God, this 2024, you're going to be my best year. I'm going to buy a Lamborghini this year. I'm going to live in Bedford. Uh, you just give God all your list of things. It's good to have your own, you know, list of whatever. But the reason why we wait on God is that we want him to tell us what the plan is so that we can mount up with wings, not with human effort. We are mounting up with wings like eagles and allowing the wind of the Spirit to take us where God wants to take. I've told you, God is better at planning your life than you. I've told you that. Uh -huh. Don't forget Joseph. Don't forget Joseph, God is better at planning your life. You will, be, you will be looking at Potiphar and say, ah, God, deliver me from Potiphar's wife. But God has a bigger plan for you. And it looks as if the challenges are increasing as you are going. It's because where he's taking you to is greater than your imagination can carry. So your, your, your purpose is stay with God. We talk about Elijah as a man that, you know, called down fire. You know Elijah? You don't know Elijah? Let me introduce you to Elijah. First Kings. First Kings chapter 18. Quickly, as we will close, we'll close with Elijah's story, I'll just show you a few scriptures here. I'm still going to spend some time in the coming weeks to talk about Elijah in detail, but I want to just show you a few things here. Look at what it says. It says from verse 24, Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God. But put no fire under it. So they took the bowl which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, evening till noon, uh, even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. They caught themselves. They did all sorts of things. Let's jump to verse 14. Verse 14. 
And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook and executed them there. You know the story. Fire came down from heaven, did all those things. Now, Elijah did all these mighty things. And when you hear Elijah, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. Ah, Elijah was fire. Fire, Elijah. What was Elijah's secret? What was the secret? Let me show you what the secret was. Look at it. Now, this, this 1 Kings 18, this is how it started from verse 1. Go to verse 1 and see how it began. So it's not just that Elijah just showed up and said, let's go and and show that we have power. Bring all the prophets. He says from verse 1, and it came to pass after many days. He was not hanging around those many days. I've explained to you what the many days represent. That the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the earth. So God was the one who initiated the process. So he didn't just go and say, now, let's prove. Let's do a contest and prove that we have power and show them. No. Everything that Elijah did, he always waited on the word of the Lord every step of the way. Every step of the... I will show you the scriptures. 1 Kings 17, 5 to 10. I will just read that phrase to you so that you see it, but you can write it down. 1 Kings 17, verse 5. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. This is talking about Elijah. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 1 Kings 21, 17 to 18. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise. 1 Kings 21, 28 to 29. And the word of the... How many times do you want to see this? Because everything he did... I'm saying to you, go home and study this out. Everything he did, every major move is because the word of the Lord came to him. That is what it means to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord is not just drama. It is, I am waiting for the instruction. I'm waiting for the instruction. According to the word, look at Second uh, Kings 10 verse 17 again. And when he came to Samaria, he killed all who remained in, in Ahab in, in Samaria till he had destroyed them. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. I will still spend time in the community, like I said, to talk about this. But just, just to show you, you know, Pity was asking during the prayer that how many of us can do what Elijah did and go and call the prophets about. The truth is that if you do this process correctly, you will do what Elijah did. Because you will be in the, in the presence of God and the word of the Lord will come to you. Look, I'm saying to you, it will be so clear to you. The reason why you are doubting, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you now, the reason why you doubt everything that God is saying to you, God speaks to you. I don't have any doubt about that. But you doubt it because of McDonald's and Timothy. Some of you don't like, say, I'm not, I don't like Timothy, I do Starbucks, Starbucks. Starbucks is your problem. I'm telling you, if you, if you eliminate food, food is a major issue. That's why I say the kingdom of God is not, is not eating and drinking. If you eliminate that from your life, now there's time for everything. Yeah, don't, don't, you know me, I like, when we gather, we should, we should be happy. But I'm saying that when it's time to wait on the Lord, you push all those things aside. If you do this thing correctly, everything that God tells you, look, you can stake your life on it because you, are, you know that you know that you know that you know because the Spirit of God bears witness with you that this is the, the, the voice of God speaking to me. That's the point that we, we want to get to. So it's not just that, you know, the, the pastor is the one that tells us everything that we do and we just do whatever the pastor says. There's a place for that. Glory to God. So the goal is to get to a place where you can hear clearly in your spirit. Every single step of the way, what the Lord will have you do. And when he has given you the word, you are not waiting for him then. So waiting on God is not, I'm waiting for God to do. No, God will not do what he has asked you to do. And he will not do what he has already done. Habakkuk chapter 2, let's begin to tie it up. Habakkuk 2 from verse 1. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. So when you are waiting on God, you are literally waiting for instructions, for things that you are going to write down, things that you are going to note down. You may not like to have journal because you say only women have journal. Have revelation book. Call it whatever you like, but there must be a place where you are putting down all those instructions that God is giving you. Glory to God. So again, I will, these are things that I will, still go, I will still teach in detail. But when it comes to obedience, like I was saying last week, there are, there are three levels of this thing. There's the general instruction that God gives us in the Bible. That shall not lie. That shall not steal. That's, that's instructions for everybody. God will also now take you to another level where he's giving you promptings, specific promptings. Join this chariot. 
don't drive today, take the bus. There is somebody in that bus that I need you to connect with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where you have made yourself available to the Spirit of God. That's what it means to wait on God. You are there like a waiter at the restaurant saying, God, what do you want me to do today? Not you wake up every day and just carry your briefcase and say, God, Alpha, is there anything? I'm going, oh, is there anything? Then you, you check out. No, you're not waiting on God. You are, you are the boss of God. See, that's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> so waiting on God means I'm waiting for God to give me the promptings, the leadings, the instructions. Then there is also the direction, which is that 2 Chronicles 20.20 says that we, we, we believe in the Lord our God, we are established. We believe his prophets and we prosper. Which is when God sets up a body like this, he, he, he is responsible for giving the set man of the house a direction for those people. Look, look, I'm telling you, you know, I was just telling you now that when you go through a process of certain things, you are convinced about it. I don't do a lot of drama. You know that I don't. Uh, I will lay hands when God says lay hands. I'll do all that. I don't do prophecy. Say, this year, there will be earthquake in China. That's not my problem. That's not my problem. The one thing that I know is that if God gives me a word and says, and this thing is not, it's not like I have to go to a mountain and go and pray. He has taught me a process of making myself available to receive what he wants. God is more than willing to speak to you, more than you are willing to hear him. Look, even before I became a pastor, my wife can, can testify to this. People will come and tell, it was so bad that I had to, at some point, God will tell me that this person in April of this year, this is what will happen to them, this blah, 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 and it will happen. So people started relying on those things rather than the word. That's why I stopped doing those things because I'm, I'm not going to, look, anything that the word of God cannot do, huh? I don't want it done. So I don't want your faith to rely on if pastor doesn't come and tell me what will happen in April. The word of God can tell you what will happen in April. I'm saying you will sit down with your Bible and you will see it in the fourth month of the year. So it was to Zerubbabel. And it will, it will be exactly what your solution is. You have not started interacting with the Bible. This book is amazing. Amazing. It will, it will, one time we were, we were praying about doing a, a course. And we're saying, God, should we do this course or whatever? We're new in Canada. We need to do like, you know, acclimatization, all those kind of things that they do for new immigrants. And we're praying about it. And we're reading the Bible the other that day. And God said, I will make you like a sharpened axe or something. Something, look, it was so real to the both of us. We're reading it. I was like, ah, we are doing this course. There's no, we know that we are doing this. <laughs> so I'm saying to you, you have experiences like that because now you are sitting with your Bible. It's not TV. It's not all those things. You are sitting with your Bible. And as you go through it, the Spirit of God is prompting things to you. Glory to God. So please, look, don't, if I tell you that God said, this is the word of the Lord for the year, you better believe it. I will not, never, I will never come here. If there's no word for the year, there's no word for the year. It's not by force. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, if God does not tell me that there's a word for the year, it's not by force. Uh -huh, I will not. But this one, he has told me a long time ago. It's not even today. Long time ago. Long time ago, what the, the 2024 direction will be. That's why I'm so convinced about it. That every one of you that obey the instructions that God is giving us, and follows the plan, you will eat the good of this land. You will. Glory to God. Can you bow your heads and give God a moment? Just give him some time to make this message real to you. Ask God, what are you saying to me specifically? What are you saying to me? Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.